This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Last season, the Houston Astros were very proud and honored to enshrine our inaugural class of the Astros Hall of Fame. And more will be added to that class today. The announcement we've been waiting for is just mere moments away to handle those duties. We send it down to a young man who is the voice of the Astros for countless seasons here. Please welcome back to Minute Maid Park, the one and only Bill Brown. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Bob. You've been here a few decades yourself. Great to see everybody here today. Do you know how hard it is for a broadcaster to keep a secret for a couple of months or something? This has been agonizing. And now we finally get the big reveal on the 2020 Astros Hall of Fame class. A big thrill for us as we look back through the years of this team and get a chance to recognize the great players. Last year, I hope many of you were here for our first honorees, that class of 16. And now we have another very interesting class, which you're about to hear about right now. Reed Ryan has been a major factor in putting this whole traditional emphasis together. And coming up, as he has done through a baseball family, yes, he deserves your applause. And through Reed's guidance and leadership and the expertise and the knowledge of the Astros history of Mike Acosta, and he will be giving you the details on this class of 2020, that's what brings us to where we are today. So ladies and gentlemen, here he is, Reed Ryan. All right, hello Houston Astro fans. Are you guys ready for the Hall of Fame announcement? So last year was incredible. We had the first ever Astros Hall of Fame class, which was a combination of our retired numbers and those players honored on the Walk of Fame outside. And those men are making up kind of the class that this group in 2020 will join. We have a committee here with the Astros uh, Hall of Fame committee that is about 10 individuals and they voted on this class. So this is the very first new class in the Houston Astros Hall of Fame. This class this year that Mike Acosta will announce has six individuals that are gonna be honored and moving forward, that number will grow smaller and smaller each year. So today we have the Methodist Hall of Fame alley and the plaques are out there for you to look at and these individuals will be joining that area. But eventually I would love to see the Houston Astros have a permanent Hall of Fame that rivals those in Cincinnati and St. Louis and many other places and hopefully we continue to drive towards that. So without further ado, we have the Astros team historian to make the announcement, Mr. Mike Acosta. Come on up, Mike. 
Thank you, Reed. It's my honor to announce the class of 2020 of the Astros Hall of Fame. And the cat might be out of the bag for a couple of them here already. So without further ado, our first inductee is Lance Berkman. Lance enjoyed a 15-year Major League career, played for the Astros from 1999 to 2010. A five-time All-Star in 12 seasons with Houston, included four seasons where he finished in the top five of National League MVP voting. He is the Astros' all-time leader in on-base percentage, slugging percentage, OPS, and Big Puma helped lead the Astros to three playoff appearances including the club's first ever World Series in 2005. Welcome to the Astros Hall of Fame, Lance Berkman. We all remember that Lance loves to talk. He's ready to go now. We got five more guys. Our next inductee is Judge Roy Hoffines. Representing Judge Roy Hoffines is his daughter, Deanie Hoffines. Roy Hoffines was one of the founding fathers of the Astros and the first owner of the club. He was a state legislator at 22, a Harris County judge at 24, and the mayor of Houston at age 40. He played an instrumental role in getting the Houston Colt 45s here and then changed the name to the Houston Astros as they moved into the revolutionary Astrodome in 1965. He revolutionized baseball and the sports industry in many ways, including his decision to utilize an artificial surface in 1966, which he dubbed AstroTurf. His influence on stadium design and his transformation of the stadium experiences is something that we still see today. He brought the idea of a dome stadium to life and implemented VIP luxury accommodations, state-of-the-art scoreboards, restaurants, clubs, air conditioning, all that that wasn't in existence before. A visionary whose influence is still seen in ballparks and sports facilities around the world today. Welcome to the Astros Hall of Fame, Judge Hoffines. Our next inductee played for the Astros from 2001 to 2010, number 44, Roy Oswalt. Roy Oswalt was the 23rd round pick of the 1996 draft out of Holmes Community College in Ridgeland, Mississippi. He was the first bona fide ace to pitch in this brand new ballpark here when we moved downtown in the year 2000. He went 14-3 with a 2.73 ERA as a rookie in 01 and finished as a runner-up for NL Rookie of the Year Award in 2001. He overall won 143 games with a 3.24 ERA and 303 games, 291 starts in an Astros uniform. Welcome to the Hall of Fame, Roy Oswald. Our next inductee 
wore the rainbow uniforms, wore the shooting star uniforms in the 70s and into 1980. From 1970 to 1980, he patrolled the Astros outfield and was a five-tool player, the original five-tool player for Houston. Number 28, Cesar Cedeno. Cedeno made his debut at age 19 and hit 285 with 199 home runs, 436 doubles, 60 triples, and 550 stolen bases across a 17-year major league career, 12 of those spent here in Houston. In 1972, at age 21, he began a stretch where he received five consecutive Gold Glove Awards through 1976 and was a four-time National League All-Star in that same five-year stretch. He stole at least 50 bases from in six consecutive seasons from 1972 to 1977. He hit for the cycle twice, hit 309 with 48 steals in 1980 as Houston pushed to their first playoff appearance ever, the 1980 NL Western Division champion Astros. Welcome to the Astros Hall of Fame, Cesar Cedeno. Our next inductee, you saw him on the mound as the closer for the Astros from 1995 to 2003, number 13, Billy Wagner. First round of the 1993 draft, within four years of being drafted by Houston, he became the closer at the major league level. A seven-time All-Star and one of the most dominating closers in Major League history, Billy Wagner spent the first nine years of his 16-year MLB career here in Houston. He had 225 saves and 694 strikeouts in 464 games with the Astros. He set a single-season franchise record for saves in 99-39 and then extended that in 2003 with 44, which remains the record. He is the Astros franchise leader in career saves and posted an ERA of 2.85 or better in 15 of his 16 major league seasons. Welcome to the Astros Hall of Fame, Billy Wagner. Our sixth inductee into the class of 2020 played for the Astros from 1966 to 1979. Saw him in the outfield, you saw him at first base. He was a team captain in the 70s. Number 27, Bob Watson. Watson spent 14 of 19 years in the majors here in Houston. He batted 297 with 241 doubles, 139 home runs, 782 RBIs, and an 808 OPS in 1,381 games. Following his playing career, he became the second African-American general manager in Major League history when he was named GM for the Astros in 1994. In 1996, Watson became the first African-American GM to win a World Series when he did so as general manager of the New York Yankees. One of the great ambassadors to Major League Baseball in his 45-plus years working in the game, Watson served as vice president for the commissioner's office until retiring in 2010. 
And here with the Astros, he was honored by building the Astros building the Bob Watson Education Center at the Astros Youth Academy here in North Houston. Welcome to the Astros Hall of Fame, Bob Watson. That is your class for the Astros Hall of Fame in 2020. We have an opportunity for a question and answer session right now with uh, some time limitations, but we're gonna try to cover some things that we feel might be of the most interest to you. But first of all, I would like to introduce a member of our original Astros Hall of Fame class. And prior to that, he was a member of the Cooperstown Hall of Fame class. Mr. Jeff Bagwell is with us today, right here. Well, Lance, you grew up in New Braunfels. Your dad wanted you to be a switch hitter. There was a story about a tire hanging from a tree. Tell us that story about how you perfected the switch hitting part of your career. Well, first I'd just like to say, today, I consider myself, if you get hear this echo, I mean, it sounds just like the Lou Gehrig speech, so I had to do that. No, my dad did hang a tire in the backyard, and he made me hit it 50 times left-handed and 50 times right-handed pretty much every day. So, you know, that was back when it was okay to push your kids a little bit, you know, like you could make them work and stuff. So he basically shamed me into hitting 300 because if I wasn't hitting 300 in whatever league I was in, then, you know, that wasn't good enough. And I had to get back out there in the backyard and go to work again. So, <laughs> Deanie, your dad, and we've heard his credentials. Uh, what a brilliant man. You know, at a young, young age, he established his brilliance and his leadership. He was a great orator. People have said he could talk you into just about anything. But for you, he was dad. So now, what are your reflections? He was an amazing human being. He really was. It was almost like he wasn't of this world. He could see, he could see the future. He really could. He saw what Houston was going to become. He started from the time, well, first of all, let me just say that he was an only child. And at 15 years old, his father drove a laundry truck. At, when he was 15 years old, his father was killed taking um, a suit to a customer uh, had, who was late getting to the, the laundry. And he, he was killed by a um, drunk driver over in the Heights. And from that time on, Dad was a little guy, spicy little guy. He was responsible for raising not only himself, but his mom as well. So he did anything and everything that he could to make a living. I mean, you, you just about name it, and that's he did it. And I find it amazing that the older I get, and it's I'm getting there, the older I get and look back on it, I just thought, how in the world did he do all the things that he did? determination and he had great faith and he would never give up he would have never given never given up on anything it really he was a true believer in life and a true believer in the capability of all human beings once they made up their minds to do something to get it done and he was one of those when we talked about him in our committee meeting we have some committee members out here I see Brian McTaggart and Allison Futter and and of course, uh, Mike was on the committee. We, you tell us if we were wrong 
we thought that maybe if it had not been for your dad and his efforts to get a franchise for the city of Houston, it might not have happened for another 10 years after it did in 1962. Well, if I might say so, I think that's probably true. It was just, there was one of him, he had a great team of people, friends, partners, but he was the leader. I mean, he was, he was the go-getter, get-it-done guy. There's no doubt about it. It was his salesmanship. He was an amazing salesman. As a little kid, I mean, he'd be standing out on a street corner on a, on a crate, preaching just about, you know? He just was, he was an amazing person. And I say that, even if he weren't my dad, I would tell you that from everything that I know about him, he was an amazing person. And he believed that Houston deserved a major league baseball team period, end of report. And at that time, there was only one way that we were guaranteed a way to get that, and that was if we could prove, which was at the time, the National League, if we could prove to the National League that the weather here was not a problem. So, well, we know what happened from there, of course. Now, look what you all can do. You, you can take the roof off and you can do anything here. But that's how we got baseball here, was promising that there would be an indoor, all-purpose sports stadium. My hearing wasn't very good over here when Mike Acosta was saying something about air conditioning. And I, at first I thought he said the judge invented air conditioning. That's probably about the only thing he didn't do. Say it one more time. He didn't invent air conditioning, but he certainly brought it to baseball. No, he's not Mr. Carrier. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Lance, you come to the big leagues. First round pick, Rice University. Zip through the minor leagues. You're up here in the dome making your debut as an outfielder on a very good team. How tough was it to join a team with, with people like Jeff Bagwell, Craig Biggio, and other superstars on it, and to learn your trade at the major league level then? Well, I'll tell you, the first time I was ever in the Astro Clubhouse, I ran into Stretch Suba, and I was terrified of him. I was like, if all big league players are like this, then I don't belong here and come to find out he wasn't even a player, he was the bullpen catcher. So that'll tell you how intimidating it was to walk into that locker room with Bagwell and Bizio and Moises Alou and Bill Spires and Tim Bogar and Shane Reynolds. Billy was there. I mean, they're just, you know, you get on the list, great team, and you were expected to kind of come in as a young guy and contribute. It was very intimidating. You told me a story one time about a spring training game at Vero Beach. And this story illustrates uh, Jeff Bagwell's leadership to you at that time when you were a very young player. And you remember the story, you went up and you got hit by a pitch on the knee. Can you relate that story? Are you talking about when Bagwell yeah. took me to task? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we were in spring training. And I'd, I, this wasn't my rookie year. Like I'd already had a good year. So this is probably 02. And we were playing over in Vero Beach and playing the Dodgers. And Dirk was the manager at that time. And he came up to me and he said, hey, this is your last at-bat. Because, you know, in spring training, you take about three at-bats and then you shut it down in, normal, in the normal game. So he said, this is your last at-bat. So I go up there and I get hit. I mean, I'm talking about just drilled right in the rib cage. And, oh, you know, it was one of those that ball dropped right straight down. <laughs> <laughs> So I ran down to first base, and instead of waiting for the pinch runner to come get me, I hit the bag and just turned and took a right into the, and went and sat down in the dugout. 
That's exactly what happened. And so... That is not what happened. Well, that's how I remember it. Just on, you hear me? Yeah. That's not what happened. That's how he remembers it. So all that to say, let me just finish and then you can correct me. So then I'm sitting in the dugout and I look over there and this is not the first time this happened. This happened quite a bit. I looked over at, at Jeff and he's just shaking his head like, I'm so disappointed in you. And this guy's like my dad, you know, he's considerably older than me, as you can see. So like I looked at him like this is my dad and he's disappointed in me. And so I was like, what? And he didn't talk to me for like two days. And finally, he's like, look, this is the major leagues. We expect a certain level of professionalism. And that means you don't take yourself out of the game ever under any circumstances. Doesn't matter if it's spring training, regular season. There's a way we do things here, and that ain't it. And so as a young player, I got that message loud and clear. Now you say what really happened. <laughs> you got time for this? <laughs> yeah. So really what happened is Lance, they told, they told Lance, you're going to come out of the game. If you get to first base, we're going to take you out of the game. Lance gets hit by a pitch. He gets, doesn't even get to the double white line and veers off into the dugout. And the dugout literally is from here to this rail from the – so I am, I am not disappointed with you. I am absolutely furious. <laughs> well, I misread his emotion. I'm sorry. So I, I didn't talk to Lance for two days, and then we saw him in the cage, and I said, let me tell you something. If I knew if I hit you and you were going to act like that if I was the Dodgers, I would hit you every single time I saw you. Trying to teach him how you can't be like that. And you well, were a good I, pupil. You did a good job. I appreciate that. No, I, I vaguely remember that part of the story. I know you Yeah. <laughs> we got a whole bunch of stories. You guys got time, like two, three, four hours to talk about Lance? <laughs> Just kidding. But, hey, no, no in, all, in all seriousness, that was a great clubhouse to be a young player in because these guys absolutely set the highest standard of professionalism for a young guy like me to look at and say, you know what, that's how you take care of business. And so I've always given a lot of credit to Jeff and Craig and a lot of the other veterans that were in that clubhouse to help me sort of mature as a baseball player. Deany, you may not have heard this story. You remember Carl Warwick? Very well. Love Carl Warwick. So Carl Warwick played on the Colt 45s. In those early years, your dad and R.E. Bob Smith, the two owners of the team who worked so closely together to bring Houston baseball, decided they were both so competitive that they could out-hit each other. And they would have a batting practice contest on the field before a game. So they both enlisted Carl Warwick to pitch to them because they were both so intent on winning. And Carl, first pitch to your dad. Did you ever see your dad hit? You did. Well, he usually had a cigar in his mouth, right? So he's up there at home play with a cigar in his mouth banging out line drives, just, just knocking line drives all over the park. Was your dad an athlete? Yes, he was. Okay. So R.E. Bob Smith was a workout fanatic, right? He has huge arms, yeah, pump metal, and he really, really wanted to win this thing. And he's up there just tying himself in knots, Lance. He can't, I mean, 
You know how it is. He's too muscle-bound. And your dad won, and he slipped Carl a $50 bill afterwards. Does that sound about right? So this gigantic project of building the Astrodome came with a lot of frustration. The architects, you know, this and that and the other thing. What do you remember about that whole process? How much time do we have? <laughs> 20 seconds. No, I... Well, nobody, first of all, very few people thought it could even be done. I remember as a little girl having people at school telling me that their parents are telling them that my father's crazy. <laughs> so, I, know. Um, I just remember that, that most people thought it wasn't going to be able to happen. I mean, how crazy an idea was that, you know, at the time. Um, like I said before, he just, he wasn't going to give up. It was just that, it, it's just, in a nutshell, that's what it was. He was not going to give up. And he didn't give up. I, I think the most exciting thing for me was to go out from the old Colt Stadium. I don't know how many of y'all went to the old Colt Stadium while they were building the Astrodome. And that huge hole in the ground. Looking down into that huge hole in the ground. He said, well, now you just, you just wait and you see. It's, you wait and see what's going to happen here. I believed every word he said. And you know what, by golly? I shouldn't believe every word he said. <laughs> well, we are out of time, but thank you so much. Baggy, thanks for joining. Lance, congratulations. Dini, thanks to Mike Acosta, Reed Ryan. Thank you guys for coming today. Have a good afternoon. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.